Hello and welcome to the Kill Germ podcast. This is going to be a monthly podcast brought to you by Kill Germ. Uh, it's going to be myself plus a special guest every month uh, and we're going to speak about the relevant and up-to-date topics and just keep you informed. This first edition is a little bit different. We're basing it around the big news that I'm sure you've all heard about the product withdrawals. Today I'm joined by Dr. Matt Davis, who is the head of the technical department at Killgerm. He's got 14 years in the industry after getting his BSc in biology from York University and then going on to get his PhD from Aston University. Something that we wanted to speak to you about today is the Asian Hornet. So, Matt, what's been going on this year? Quite a few things, Eden. There's been a, a number of sightings of the Asian Hornet in the UK. The first sighting in the UK this year was in July, and that was at New Milton in Hampshire. Uh, just a single hornet in that sighting. Following on from that, on the 2nd of September in the Tamworth area of Staffordshire, there was a subsequent finding. In that case, a nest was located and destroyed. A further sighting was from Ashford in Kent, so that was on the 9th of September. So in quick succession from the, the Tamworth sighting, not saying that the two are related, they're, they're not. Um, most recently, 1st of October at Christchurch, there was a, another Asian Hornet sighting. So it has been a, a busy season, relatively speaking. Okay, so that's clearly a fair few. Uh, but what's the concern? Do they pose a threat? There are two ways in which the Asian Hornet can, can pose a threat. The first one, and probably the most significant concern, is the threat to honeybee health. They're able to actually decimate honeybee colonies. And a second concern possibly a bit more towards the the public health pest control arena, is the threat from their stings. Like familiar wasp species and the European hornet, there is potential for anaphylactic shock in humans should they be stung by the Asian hornet. Wow, so clearly quite a a big deal. Um, But how do you actually spot one? It's really handy. There's a a really good identification sheet on the Non-Native Species Secretariat website. But of course, this is a podcast, so you can't see that at this moment in time. I've got a few tips that I can I can share with people for quick identification. The Asian hornet is almost entirely black in colour. It's got a dark brown or black velvety body. The thing that stands out is that on the abdomen, the fourth segment is yellow slash orange in colour. And that's quite a striking colour difference there. A further thing is the size. They're not actually large. You'd expect them to be quite big. Everybody says hornet and expects some giant insect that might take your head off. Uh, this isn't the case. The workers of the hornet are about 25 mil long in size, up to 25 mil, and the queens are up to 30 mil, so smaller than the European hornet, and, and quite noticeably so. One of my favourite features to look for are the, the legs. The ends of the legs of the Asian hornet have these characteristic yellow coloration it looks uh, quite striking really it looks like they've been dipped in yellow paint so is that why people call it the yellow-legged hornet that's it it does have an alternate common name of the yellow-legged hornet i'll, I'll behave and stick to the asian hornet to avoid confusion and i'll throw in a, a scientific name why not vespa velutina is the scientific name yeah i think that's the thing what you said there when i first heard the term asian hornet i was expecting some kind of beast of an insect that's going to knock you over if it if it lands on you, but um, that's clearly not the case. So you mentioned the European hornet earlier. Is there anything else that people could confuse it with? That's right. Um, Killjoy have received a number of photographs from customers, and you know these people should be applauded. Very keen, dedicated, wanting to make sure any potential 
Asian hornet sightings are, are flagged up. But we've had um, images of giant wood wasps sent in, the occasional hoverfly as well. And these are quite striking yellow and black coloured insects that you know can, can be mistaken for other things. And not not the case, not the Asian hornet, different species. And you know, again, refer people to the ID sheet that's widely available on the internet just for reference. Okay, so if you do come across one of these, how do you report it? There are official routes in terms of reporting Asian hornet sightings. And yes, Kiljo have received samples that people thought might be the Asian hornet, and we've looked at images to help people. But I must point you towards the, the official channels. The preferred route is actually to get something called the Asian Hornet Watch app. That's available for iPhone and also for, for Android. It's something I have on my phone, so if needs be, I'll submit any sightings through there. A secondary route, you can report sightings by email. It's alertnonnative at ceh.ac.uk. Uh, a further alternative is to fill out an online report form, but but the, the preference is to use the, the apps that I've, I've referred to. They're the best route to report any potential sightings to the authorities. Right, that's great. So is there anything else that people need to know? Yeah, I think um, what I failed to mention there was the quite right to include a photograph of the sighting just to aid uh, the people involved with the identification. So certainly certainly do that. Other things, sort of facts and figures regarding the Asian hornet. One thing that not many people are that familiar with is their, their nesting habits. Quite a number of their nests are high in elevation. Over half of their nests, certainly on the continent, are above 10 metres in elevation. So expect to find them quite quite high up in trees. Wow, so with them being so high up, how would you actually treat that? At the moment, we don't do any treatments in public health pest control. It's purely the responsibility of experts from the National Bee Unit and the Animal and Plant Health Agency. Uh, so it's certainly not a free-for-all for, for public health pest controllers. You've got to go through the, the official channels there. Um, the specialists, they work quickly to find and destroy any nests in the, in the reported area. So they have to leave it to, to them, and that's absolutely the right course of action. Right, so where can people get more info? There's lots and lots of information on, on the internet, as you would expect. The Non-Native Species Secretariat, I've mentioned that website a few times. It's an excellent place to go. Also really good information on the, the National Bee Unit website. And for the latest updates regarding sightings of the Asian Hornet, DEFRA website has all the, the notifications on there. For anyone that was at Pest Tech and was lucky enough to attend the Pest Control News Workshop, you'll have caught the fantastic presentation from Nigel Simmons, a, a true expert on the Asian Hornet and representing the, the National Bee Unit. I'm an Asian Hornet enthusiast and I like to know what's going on in our industry, uh, but certainly Nigel is a mine of information. So for those of you that attended that, I'm sure it was a, a thoroughly enjoyable experience. There's even a publication available via the National Pests Advisory Panel on the urbanpestsbook.com website. That's entitled The Asian Hornet Awareness and Identification. It's been produced by MPAP in conjunction with Chartered Institute of Environmental Health, contributions from the National Bee Unit, Non-Native Species Secretariat, Animal and Plant Health Agency and DEFRA. So a nice, short, straight-to-the-point document raising awareness regarding the Asian Hornet, especially suitable for those in the public health pest control industry. So 
So we are back on the road again from now until the end of the year. Um, they're all northern based from now. We've got one in Scotland uh, up in Glasgow next week on the 13th of November. That's a breakfast meeting. Then another breakfast meeting in Penrith on the 27th. We also have a workshop coming up in West Yorkshire on the 21st of November. We have none across December as it stands, um, but we will be back in January, so the rest of you won't have to wait too long until you see us again. So on the topic of product withdrawals, obviously back in August we had the news of Fendona 6SC being withdrawn from the market. Could you just give us a quick recap? Absolutely. It's a, it's a BASF product. Um, they submitted dossiers to support the renewal of it uh, through the biocidal products regulations. Things didn't turn out as expected. Um, a new authorisation was granted, but the, the range of uses was very very specific and a bit restricted. That was only for in poultry houses against a limited range of pest species. So BASF took the, the decision to, to instigate the withdrawal of the products because the, the typical urban pest control uses weren't weren't available, they weren't approved uh, due to irregularities on the part of the reference member state, Greece. So uh, how long can people still buy it for? That's right, there's been a notification for, for withdrawal and it wasn't something that took place with immediate effect in, in August so that there is still time for people to, to purchase this product uh, for further use and the, the official end date, 12th of January 2020 is the last date for sale and supply but of course, uh, it's likely that stocks will have been exhausted by then. For people that still hold Fendona 6SC, uh, in terms of them being a user, a pest controller, using the product, the last date for use is the 16th of July 2020. So still still some good life in that product. And that last, last date for use is also the last date for storage and, and disposal. It's not all doom and gloom. The way to word this one is it's a temporary withdrawal. We fully expect Fendona 6SC to make a return to the public health pest control market uh, at some point in the future with a, with a good label and, and some familiar areas of use and familiar pest species regarding urban health, uh, public health pest control. How are we looking in terms of alternatives? There's a, a molecular mesh type product that causes physical immobilisation of insects, something called Vaser Provector. That's certainly an interesting new development and proving quite effective against bed bugs in the field. So there are some some options, um, you know, physical products regarding freezing and things like that. Okay, so you've, you've touched on it there, but could you tell me more about these physical products? Absolutely fine. Um, the, there's a product called Vaser Ice, which is used to, to freeze insects. I mean, don't get me wrong, that's a good niche product for, for short, sharp spot treatments of crawling insects. It's not on its own, it's not a replacement for Fendona, but as part of an integrated pest management programme, then it does have a, a, a fit in that system. And where should people go for more advice on this? Best thing to do, it's a busy time in terms of changes in our industry regarding insecticides, authorisations, changes to labels and withdrawal of products. There's a good number of technical people at Killjoy that, that keep abreast of these changes in the industry. We've got a mixture of people with decades of practical experience, um, entomologists, myself and a, and a colleague. So between us all and in conjunction with the manufacturers, then we're, we're able to provide good, sensible advice to uh, fight your way through these tricky times. So that brings us to the end of this first edition of the Killjoy podcast. Huge thank you to Matt for joining me today to talk about these topics. 
as I said, it'll usually be a slightly different format. We're just trying to stay up to date and talk to you about the withdrawal of a very, very popular product in Fendona 6SC um, and have a chat to you about the Asian Hornets as well. Now, one thing I do want to speak to you about today before I let you go is CPD points. Now, they are available for listening to the podcast through Basis Prompt and the BPCA. For Basis Prompt, if you go to podcast.killgerm.com, scroll to the online form on the page and input the details that it asks for. Now, you'll notice that it asks for a code, and the code that you'll need for this podcast is KG-PC-1019. That's K for Kilo, G for Golf, dash P for Papa, C for Charlie, dash 1019. You will need to do that every time you listen to a Killjoy podcast to get all your points. For the BPCA, it's a bit different. Head to their website and fill in their online form to claim your CPD points and just put it down as unstructured learning. It's the exact same as how you do it for their recorded webinars for those of you that have done that. Make sure that you are claiming your CPD points for this because it is a good way of proving that you are keeping up to date with the industry and it does help you towards that magic number. From here, we'll be releasing monthly. Um, We'll have it dropping in your inboxes and and promoting it on social media. So just keep an eye on that and you will be up to date with what we're doing at this side. Thank you for listening and we will see you soon.